Hello and welcome to the third episode of Influences series of Professor P podcast. My name is Parsa Pekar. I'm a psychotherapist, professor, and author. So for today's topic, we want to talk about the power of influence, and we want to focus specifically in relationships. So I'm going to do a book review as the first segment of the podcast. Then I'll have my special guest, Dr. Viviana, who specializes in relationship and sex therapy. And lastly, I have two of my former students on the podcast to share their ideas about the power of influence. For this section of the podcast, I'd like to focus on the book, The Five Love Language, which is a concept introduced by Dr. Gary Chapman, which is based on his book, The Five Love Languages. According to Dr. Chapman, people express and experience love in different ways, and understanding these love languages can help improve communication and strengthen relationships. So I'm going to go over the five languages that he discusses, and then I'll be talking about how we can dip a little deeper into each of those love languages, and at last, how can we apply it into our relationship. So what are those five love languages? Well, first one is the words of affirmation, which involves using words to affirm and encourage your partner. So it can include, you know, verbal compliments, kind and encouraging words, and of course, expression of appreciation and love. The second one is quality time, which means it's about giving your undivided attention to your partner. So spending meaningful time together, engaging in activities, having conversations, having each other as your priority, and in short is making sure you have fun together, right? The third one is receiving gifts. So for those of who their love languages is receiving gifts, which means that the act of gift giving is highly meaningful. It's not about the gift usually, even though of course that matters, but rather is the thought and care you put behind the gift that makes it so special, I believe. The fourth one is the act of service, which is act of gestures that help uh, help other person and putting them, you know, as as your partner, as someone you truly care about. So it involves things that make their life easier or more comfortable or what I would call is more special, right? When we serve our spouse or partner. So this can be, you know, cooking a meal, doing household chores or running errands, etc. And lastly is the physical touch, which is involves expressing love through physical contact. So it can range from simple gestures like holding hands, hugging, or kissing to more intimate acts, you know, physical touch can, of course, communicate love, affection, and closeness. So these five life languages are applied, as I mentioned, but I believe in a healthy relationship, we need all of them, right? All of us like to hear words of affirmation. All of us need to spend quality time with our partner. All of us would feel good if we received the gifts. And when we see our partner has put extra thought in thinking about us, we love to be served, right? By our partner. And lastly, the physical touch is something very important to us. But what does Dr. Chapman suggest is that everyone has a primary love language and which is the way they mostly naturally give and receive love. So understanding that and expressing it in a way that aligns with their preference, our partner can help strengthen the emotional connection and satisfaction within a relationship. So just to dive a little deeper into each of those five languages, I'm just going to give a little example of what each can mean and how they can be applied. So the first one is a voice of affirmation. So of course, this emphasizes the power of words to uplift and encourage your partner. So verbal compliments, expression of love, 
and appreciation are important in making your partner feel valued and loved. So encouraging words can be as simple as saying, I love you. I'm proud of you. You did a great job. I appreciate you. And of course, on the other hand, when we use negative or harsh word, that can also affect our partner. Or imagine if your partner's primary love language is word of affirmation and how much that can affect them. The second one, the quality time, again, is about giving your undivided attention and being fully present with your partner. Something I recommend to the couples I see is when they spend time with each other to put their cell phones away and make sure they get all the attention they both deserve and set the time to be present with each other. So quality time can be spent engaging activities together, having meaningful conversations. You know, now we have this question cards which you can ask and kind of understand your partner better. Those are great tools. And in a short term, it means you enjoy each other's company, right? And one of the best ways, I believe, is when you have fun together, you do different activities, you enjoy your time. Third is receiving gifts. So this is, again, a symbol of love and thoughtfulness, which can be very meaningful for some people. And the value is not merely on the gift, but it's a thought that's been put behind it, right? So it's the, the thought that matters the most when we are thinking about this gift. And it's important to kind of study your partner and see, okay, what does he or she likes when we want to give them a gift? Fourth is the act of service. So which involves doing things to help and support your partner. And, you know, if uh, there's something that you can do for them, you know, you can, and doesn't matter what gender, you can cook or take care of household, you know, housework, you can, help them if you have children with the children taking care of them and one of the partner goes out etc so it can take different form right but it's just a way of serving that person and then lastly is the physical touch so again you know when we hold hands when we hug kiss cuddle uh, you know and or sexual intimacy in all forms which can be such an important thing for some people so again, what is important is for us to understand what is the primary love language of our partner. And then we come from that point of wanting to provide that. When I was reading uh, by the voice of Thich Nhat Hanh, he was one of the Zen master. And he had this saying that without understanding love is not possible. And when I think about this uh, quote, it what makes me think is, if I love someone and I truly love them and they might have a different preference than me, I would provide for them based on my understanding of their need, right? So if they like, if I like orange and they don't like orange, they like apple, if I provide them orange, that's a bit selfish, right? Even though I might have a good intention. But if I understand they like apple and I provide that, that's an act of love because it comes from understanding. And this is what ex exactly we are talking when we are mentioning about these five languages and understanding each of those needs. So now uh, let's consider some of the ways we can be considerate of our partner's love language. First, discover your own love language, right? It's very important to understand your own love language in addition to your partner, so reflects on how you naturally express and receive love. You know, consider what actions, words, or gestures make you feel most loved and appreciated. Because knowing your own love language can help you communicate your needs to your partner perfectly. Second is learn your partner's love language, right? So observe your partner's behaviors and responses which can provide you clues about their primary love language. So again, study them, be curious about what they love, pay attention to them and see how they express their love to you. And another perfect way is to engage in open conversation about love languages to understand each other's preference better. Third is flexibility and adaptation. So 
again, you might have different needs, right? Your primary love language might be different and that's totally okay. The important thing is to understand that and be flexible and be able to adapt to your partner. You can also understand love language in a conflict uh, resolution, right? So in understanding each other's love languages can be particularly helpful during conflicts. When tensions arise, right, it's easy for us to unintentionally use our own love language to resolve the issues. However, when we understand our partner's love language, for example, if someone's primary love language is to offer words of affirmation or quality time, you are able to better serve them and understand, okay, how we can fix this. And this will lead us to be able to see, okay, now we learn about the concept. Now we got deeper into what it means. Now, how can we apply this to our relationship? So first of all is for you is to identify your partner's love language by observing their behaviors and responses to different expressions of love and see, okay, what makes them feel loved and appreciated. That's the first step that we want to do. Second, we want to speak their love language, right? So once we identify the love language, we want to make a conscious effort to speak it consistently. And this doesn't mean we become a robot, right? And we say things and we don't really mean it. I think if we truly love a person, we are able to see what they truly appreciate and love, and we are able to do that wholeheartedly. So that's the whole point. So... For example, if it's the words of affirmation, their primary love, you want to show your appreciation, you want to leave maybe notes or send supportive messages or send little reminders that you're thinking of them. If it's quality time, you want to make sure you uh, put away all the distractions like phones and focus solely on each other. You make plan activities that are fun and engaging. If it's receiving gifts, you want to surprise them with meaningful and thoughtful gifts, something they love you know, something that's important for them. If it's act of service, you want to identify tasks or responsibility that your partner finds challenging. And, you know, you take that initial step to complete them. And in some ways it can be offering help without them ask you, right? And so you anticipate their needs and share the workload and support each other in daily life. And lastly is the physical touch, which means you incorporate physical touch in your day-to-day -day interaction, right? So you hold hands, you give them a little massage in the back. Uh, it's It doesn't have to be sexual. It I can be very touches that are very non-sexual that shows you appreciate that person. And of course, if that's their love language. The third thing is you want to communicate and seek feedback. So check in with your partner, right? Uh, you can do it weekly when you have your date and see, okay, how you're doing, receive feedback, ask their op uh, open and honest opinion, and be open to receive those feedback. And of course, make sure the fourth step is for you to receive and understand your own love languages. So while we are focusing on our partner's love language, we don't want to forget our own, right? So we want to make sure we understand it. And we also communicate that with our partner. And lastly, which I think it holds all of this together is to be consistent, right? We don't want this to be one-time thing. We don't want this to be just, we practice that for a month, but it's a conscious effort we want to make to make sure our partner feels love. And I believe when we do that, we grow the love together. I think at the end, what is the most important is when we're talking about these five love languages is understanding that our partner can be different from us and that's totally fine. But the important thing is for us to be curious and interested in them and study them and make sure we provide a love language and understanding that they can relate to. And that will make our love lasting. Okay, now I have a very special guest, Dr. Viviana Coles with me. Uh, Dr. Viviana Coles, welcome. Thank you so much for having me, Parsa. Of course. How are you doing today? 
I'm doing wonderfully. Um, this topic is incredibly important for so many people at different levels. So I have a feeling this conversation is going to be really exciting. Yes, glad to have you. Dr. Viviana, before we start our questions, can you give us a little bit of background about what you do and for our listeners to know? Absolutely. Um, I'm Dr. Viviana Coles. I'm known better as Dr. Viviana. I have a doctorate in marriage and family therapy from Nova Southeastern University. I have a license as a marriage and family therapist and supervisor in Texas. I'm also licensed in California and New York. And I am a certified sex therapist since 2006. Uh, my Private practices here in Houston. It's called Houston Relationship Therapy, where we primarily focus on people who are experiencing emotional or physical intimacy issues. We also, of course, work with uh, sex therapy, premarital counseling, and um, soon I will be working primarily with uh, singles who are experiencing dating issues. So that's going to be something that I'm um, adding on to my practice. I, I really haven't worked with a ton of singles. I've worked primarily with couples, but I'm really trying to add on singles because this dating world is wild and um, I'll be celebrating 16 years married. So I, I really feel like it's important to help people get that long-term love. And I'll be trying to focus on that as well in my practice um, and in a new agency that I'll be starting. And I can't share much about that just yet, but very soon I will be able to. So check out uh, Vivid Relationships on Instagram and follow me at Dr. Viviana on all social media channels to keep up with everything that is having to do with love, intimacy, sex, and relationships. Yes. Well, first of all, congratulations on 16 year anniversary. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, month. That's, that's big. And also on that point you made, uh, I think the first question as we are talking is the dating board has changed a lot, uh, Dr. Viviana. How, what do you think has changed so much in today's world about dating? You know, um, for the longest time, dating apps seem to be the saving grace. It was almost like, oh, thank goodness, we can connect with people other than just those who live in our neighborhood, other than just those who our family members set us up with. And so it was really exciting to have access to so many more singles, potential singles, um, through the dating apps. Over time, that quickly, the, the waters were muddied and very quickly changed to then having people who were catfishing and pretending they were somebody that they weren't. And then there was the um, a, a lot of bots were starting to set up fake profiles. And now the latest is that chat, uh, GBT or AI in general, is starting to do the chatting and the flirting online on behalf of someone. So it just seems like the trajectory of dating apps went, was going up, 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 and now it's going down, down, down with no end in sight. It continues to be a great opportunity for people who want to hook up or who want to have casual relationships. But for people who are looking for long term, they're going to have to look for something very different and very um, bold. And I'm hoping to create that space for them uh, in the coming weeks. Mm -hmm. Okay, so we're going to talk about that because I think that's such an important topic right now. And I believe also there are some values that have changed, you know, that made dating a little bit more challenging for couples. So the first question I have, uh, Dr. Viviana, and today's topic is power of influence and how that affects people. So and something I ask uh, every guest and students who are on the show is, you know, what value is important to you and why? But what I want to ask you, Dr. Viviana, because you work with couples and have that experience is what do you think, what are some of the best common values that couple can have in their relationship? I think that creating um, a legacy of goodness and community and of intimacy are all really great values. I would say the number one is to be able to say, that you both appreciate how having a healthy, intimate relationship can influence the world around you, can have that ripple effect that your work does better, your kids do better, your, um, your friendships, your health, 
your financial wellness, all of that can improve when you have a healthy, intimate life at home. Yeah, is it like more about the partnership that you have with that person, to my understanding? So I think that many people can work well as a team, but there's something about having a closeness that comes from physical and emotional intimacy that really holds and binds them together through um, commitment and through dedication that doesn't always happen with groups or just casual partnerships. Um, People can very easily move, you know, move states. Uh, They can move out. They can um, create basically exit strategies for anything. But when you are emotionally and physically committed to someone, it makes it to where you do better and you're stronger as a couple. So it's not as enticing or easy to just say, I'd rather be alone. Yeah. And to my understanding too, is when you are with someone who you truly care about and you love, I think they inspire you to be a better person overall. Yeah, because you want to be you want to be good to them, but you also know that they you are a reflection of them as well. So when you really respect and care for your partner, you almost want to hold yourself to a higher standard in order to keep up with them and to also, quote unquote, be worthy of them. Yeah, and that's such a powerful thing. I think that le- leads me to the next question, Dr. Viviano, which how do you think that couples are able to influence each other? Um, oh, goodness. And in, in a myriad ways, um, I think from the moment we wake up, <laughs> from the moment that our thoughts start to process, our partnership and our partners can be influential. Um, obviously, if uh, if they are having mental health issues, if they are having stress related issues, if they have mood regulation issues, these are all things that can start off your day mm-hmm. in a very chaotic way. Um, whereas the opposite can be true as well. If if they're very stable, if they're reliable, if they're accountable, uh, if they're predictable to a degree and their moods are, then all you have to do is really focus on yourself and and worry about your own mental health. And I think that that's, that's just the beginning of the day. If you're, if you are, wanting to excel or explore a different facet of your career, whether or not your partner is willing to support you and encourage you and help you to you know, troubleshoot, that can make or break that whole career path for you. And then of course there's parenting. You know, if, if your partnership is not um, balanced or blended or uh, cohesive in the way that you want to parent, that can take your entire, you know, the first 18 years of your kid's life at least and throw it into some sort of a whirlpool. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Right. And how do you think that influence affect like the partner? So if let's say, you know, we say always that the five person you're closest with are able to influence in different, you know, in the most possible way. And I'm assuming if you have a you know, partner who you live with, that's, you know, that that person can have a lot of influence as we were talking. So, mm-hmm. I, so think- it's not, I would say it's not so much that you it's the person that you live with and in that partnership. It's more that if and when you respect your partner, that's when they have the most influence mm-hmm. is if you respect them. Um, because when there's a lack of respect, it's in one ear, not the other. And they can they can say or think or share whatever they want, but without respect, it's not really going to land and it's not going to um, kind of pass through into your psyche. Right. And what are some of the ways that you, you believe couples are able to respect one another in a way that they feel accepted and also they feel they respect their partner? I think it all starts and ends with how you communicate. So um, whether it's a combination of nonverbal and verbal interactions, um, how frequent your communication happens, the degree to which you are uh, challenged or you're, you know, kind of overcoming challenges, that's really important. Conflict resolution is a big part of that. I think that we don't tend to explore the importance or the significance of having 
disagreements, of working through them, of sharing, of active listening. I think most of the time people think that if they're not arguing or they're not disagreeing, that they're doing better than those who do. That's not true. I think that it's very important that you share the thoughts that you have in your head, that you share your perspective and opinions. And even if they differ from your partners, that's one more opportunity to learn and grow. And then, of course, if, if there's a disagreement or an argument about it, then it's an opportunity to resolve something and, and come together and get back onto the same path and, and journey together. Uh, but a lot of people don't think that arguing is good. I, I disagree. I think it's important to argue. Mm-hmm. And how often do you think that happens in a healthy relationship where people argue they might have a difference of opinions? And of course, as you mentioned, you know, respecting, I think, is the first step in any communication, especially when it's about couples. Yeah, well, I'm always telling couples that they, I would hope and recommend that they're checking in with each other and of the business side of their of their marriage or relationship once a week for at least 30 minutes or around 30 minutes. I try not to encourage them to go any longer because that can feel like a drag. But if they're checking in once a week with each other and they have a disagreement over whatever the topic is, and they're able to come to a, an agreement about it, I feel like that's really healthy. It's also important, I'm, I'm always you know, kind of inspiring them hopefully to use a healthy tone, to mm. not use sarcasm as a weapon, to uh, make sure that they're conscious of the volume of their voice and how it, it may be something that triggers their partner, whether or not they're used to it. Um, and I also think it's important that they that they share and take turns sharing what's important to them and what's on their agenda, what's on um, their list of stressors, those sorts of things. But and and it's also important not to use curse words when you're talking to each other. And some people roll their eyes and say, "What? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't understand that." As long as I'm not calling them that, or I'm saying that they, you know, that what they did was making them seem like that. It doesn't matter. It's such a slippery slope. I recommend that you avoid using derogatory terms and slurs and um, even just curse words in general when you're talking to somebody as a way of showing respect. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so checking in with your partner, I think that's one of the most important thing you can do. And regularly, you say once a week, at least would be a nice way to make sure. Yeah, and I mean... It, it kind of is in keeping with what we do in therapy. We have this designated 50-minute hour that is all about, at the very least, right, 50-minute um, hour to to get them to be able to focus on whatever it is that's very important to them and significant to them in the grand scheme of things, but also in just that week. And so if they're able to do that for about 30 minutes over coffee or lunch or before, you know, after putting the kids to bed, then they might be able to avoid therapy because they're kind of doing it on their own. Mm-hmm. Yeah, great point. So Dr. Viviana, going back to the topic of dating, as we discussed in the beginning, what characteristics do you recommend for people to look in each other when they're dating or when they're about to date someone? Because I believe, you know, the character is such an important thing that you have with that person. And it's something you live with, right? If you're serious about having them in your life. So what would you say have in your work, you've seen couples, those characteristics that stay out the most and important? At the top of my list of most attractive traits in a potential long-term partner is self-reflection. Mm. You don't have to know everything about yourself, which is why I don't say insight, but self-reflection allows for you to even begin to learn about who you are, what makes you tick. And then that's the beginning of then being able to share that with a potential partner and being able to be vulnerable and to even possibly experience empathy. So self-reflection is the most attractive. And if you're out there and you find that somebody is not really into looking inward or not really, you ask them what they like or what their opinion is on something and they have zero clue or zero interest in figuring it out and thinking, that's probably a red flag. Yeah, does that also mean maybe they're not willing to take responsibility for their, you know, actions or words, etc.? It could absolutely, I love that you made that 
distinction and that association, because yes, that often goes hand in hand as if you're not willing to look inside of yourself and reflect on your thoughts and actions, um, or if you're unable to, right? So unwilling or unable, then it's very hard to take responsibility. And when that happens, you can feel like you're with someone who, um, who is uh, who might as well be in a relationship by themselves. <laughs> you might feel like you're also talking to the wall. So yeah, it, it's not a good partnership. I totally agree. Uh, Dr. Viviana, you wrote a book, uh, The Four Intimacy Styles. Can you tell us a little bit about what those four uh, styles are and a little bit about your book? Absolutely. So I wrote the book, The Four Intimacy Styles, um, as an answer to the question that my clients tend to come into the office, which is, uh, the, we've done the five love languages, we know which one is ours, but what about sex? Mm. And I was always explaining to them, okay, well, let me tell you about sex. So what I did was, it's different from the five love languages in the sense that you're not just one. What I'm asking everyone to do is they can go online to the fourintimacystyles.com or fourintimacystyles.com quiz.com and they can take a free quiz that gives them their current percentage of each of these four. So they're going to have bonding, release, giving, and responsive. You'll get a percentage of each with the goal. Um, the like ideal is that you're as close to 25% of each of the four. So that would make you quote unquote, round it out. That's rounding out your intimacy style. The reason it's important to have a little bit of each of bonding, release, giving and responsive in your sex life is that you can be nearly assured that if you have the if you have those present from each of you in your sex life, you will be able to satisfy each other's overall needs when it comes to sex and physical intimacy. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, you'll be able to satisfy those needs for the long term as your body changes as your emotional needs change. If you are able to satisfy each of those, you can almost rest assured that um, you will be in, in, in a good place. Now, the other thing about the four, so bonding, those are, those are the people that tend to experience an emotional connection that comes from being physically intimate with someone. Mm -hmm. It's not to say that they can't experience emotional without the physical, but they really need the physical in order to feel that way. Mm -hmm. uh, release is the person who says, I get so much ecstasy and pleasure and release and ease and harmony from physical intimacy. Giving is those who say, I get the most pleasure from giving pleasure. Mm -hmm. If my partner is sated and and really satisfied, then I feel close to them. And then responsives are those who they don't tend to have spontaneous desire. They tend to have responsive desire. If their partner doesn't bring up sex, they don't often think about it themselves. They don't tend to have internal urges that um that are kind of knocking at their door and saying, hey, you should you know, see if you can set something up with some with your partner. They but once they are in the act, or even after the act, they feel closer to their partner. So that's why it's so important to have a little bit of each of those, um, just to make sure that you're checking off all the boxes and that you're getting that well rounded intimacy style in your relationship. Right. And I think that's such an important thing to be able to, as you were saying about these four styles to have that in mind, how you are doing in those, right? And have maybe both uh, people take that in their relationship and see how they match. I'm sure that's part of it, uh, that they see how, okay, how does that match to one another? So it, it is an individual experience in the sense that if you're rounded out, that's that's the most important thing. If your partner is also, if they're working on rounding out their own intimacy style, and there are ways to do that, I give lots and lots of examples of how to promote each of the different styles um, in your relationship and how to improve them if you need to kind of create more of closer to 25%. Um, but it's one of those things where if you focus on it for yourself, it's going to enhance the experience for both of you. <clears throat> and it isn't just that you're trying to do one, you're really 
trying to do as many as possible, all four. Right. Okay. Yeah. So it sounds very well rounded. I think uh, um, my last question would be, Dr. Viviana, we talk about, you know, having the self-reflection and that's so important. It sounds even in our relationship, right? Everything starts with ourselves in a way and how we approach and how, you know, what what we bring to the relationship with the other person. I think the question I have is how can we better influence what are some of the practical steps that we are able to influence our partner in a positive way? Because, you know, you've been mentioning it a lot on how how much influence we can have in their lives. So what are some of the practical ways you would suggest? So some of the practical ways that I would suggest to influence your partnership in a positive way is to make sure that you are living a life that you can be happy with, proud of, whatever that looks like, whether it's through productivity or creativity, but your positive outlook and positive regard for your life and your life goals are paramount when it, when it comes to influencing the, your partnership, but also the people around you. So when you are able to be positive and look forward to more life and your day, that's going to be the sort of like mood setting, you know, that I think is really important. Um, if you're struggling with that, I think it's very important to put it right at the top of your list of priorities to address it, whether it's something like work stress, health issues, um, underlying familial issues, get therapy, whatever it takes. But if you're able to look at your day or look at your life and say, I feel good about it. That's the number one way that you can practically influence your relationship. Mm -hmm. Meaning that you really take care of yourself in the first place? I think, yeah, it's like put the put the oxygen mask on yourself before others. I, you know, loving yourself is very important. But more than that, just having a positive attitude, having that positive outlook. So, yes, taking care of yourself um, is really, really important so that you can be there and be supportive and not a drain on your partnership. Mm -hmm. Yes, very true. Well, Dr. Viviana, thank you so much for being here. For the last question, I just want to know if uh, the listeners want to be connected with you. I know you mentioned in the beginning, but if there yeah. is an email or the, what's the best way for them to be connected? So all of my social media and all of my website, it's Dr. Viviana, spell out Dr. D-O-C-T-O-R, Viviana's V-I-V-I-A-N-A. -A. Um, I have all sorts of opportunities to get in contact with me there. Uh, something new, it would, would be vivid relationships. And that's predominantly for singles who are looking for long-term relationships. And I'll be announcing what that is very soon. So y'all can check that out. And um, I do have a really fun uh, page on my website. If you go to drvivianatv.com, you'll be able to check out all of my media appearances and uh, see if you can learn anything from there. Thank you, Dr. Viviana. Thank you. At this portion, I have one of my former students, Liana, welcome. Hi, thank you for having me on your show. Of course, thanks for being here. How you doing? How you doing? I'm good, I'm good. I'm trying to take a moment and enjoy my break. Yes, you recently graduated, so congratulations on that. Um, the thank first you. thing I wanna ask Liana that we ask all the guests is, Give us one value that is important to you. I believe love is very important to me because as a mother, uh, when you give love to kids, they grow up to be loving adults and it prevents a lot of other problems in the world. I feel like with just something so simple as love. Great. And it's interesting because our topic of you know today's podcast is very much related to the idea of love and what it means. So we are talking about the power of influence, Liana, and how do you think 
let's talk about love. How do you think love affects the way we influence, you know, the world or our relationships, etc.? I think love is kind of the the base to relationships such as, you know, per, uh, partners or marriage. And it's like the foundation to having respect for one another, right? So having love and respect in conjunction, it just influences you to get out and go to work every day and, you know, support your family or do whatever you love, right? But if you if you don't have that love and influence in your relationship, it's not going to work out, right? You're not going to want to go out and work and, and do things to kind of uh, help yourself and actually uh, influence the world. If we're we're lacking in any uh in anything in any form of that uh mm-hmm. how do I say it like if if we neglect or we don't love one another and we don't respect we're not gonna get out and be happy and you know make a difference in the world it all comes down to that mm-hmm. so and I also believe you know with our profession Liana you want to be a therapist you know I mean you are already are uh, this is something that's very important, right? That we have oh. that love for our clients and we look at them in that lens. Uh, so how do you see yourself applying that to your own life, Liana? Is there a way you practice that? As uh, I, I would say I do. It's all kind of new to me. So I'm trying to take it day by day, to be honest. Mm-hmm. However, I feel like showing compassion and love to our clients with boundaries of course uh really helps kind of heal them and also it's very uh powerful to us as therapists to see them grow and you know become the better version of themselves Mm -hmm. exactly so one of the questions we also asked liana is uh, we encourage our listeners to do an act of kindness and I think something you've been mentioning about love and how that has so much power of influence in people's life. And of course, I believe in our own life, right? Because the way we act toward others is the way we treat ourselves, the way I see it, right? So when we love others, it's a way of reflection, the, the way we love ourselves. So mm-hmm. what would you recommend for listeners if you want to say, okay, this would be an act of kindness that I would suggest? I think uh, just a very simplistic act of kindness is just to to be kind and even something as simple as just saying good morning to somebody, right? It can really make someone's day. Mm -hmm. Sounds very simple, right? But just a good morning or how are you or just having a smile on your face really goes a long way because you never know what someone in front of you is going through. Right. So treating them with, you know, like you, you have that welcoming personality that you show to others. And one way is paying attention to them, I think. Yes, Mm -hmm. I agree. And I believe as you were talking about love, that's one way we can look at it, right? It's a way we pay attention to other people in the way they want it, right? There's always that yeah, between maybe what we love and what other people love. And it can be different sometimes, right? And we try to sometimes do things which we love for others, which is from a good intention too. But sometimes we miss the mark because it's not what they truly love or want. Absolutely. Great. So what's the plan for you? uh, Any plans after graduation? Uh, Right now I am uh, going to apply for my my associate and uh, professional clinical counselor uh, number. In the meantime, I'm just going to take the summer off and kind of enjoy it. And then I'm going to be starting my doctorate program in August. Awesome. So Liana, any last words for our listeners? First of all, I just want to thank you again for being here and your thoughts and about love and power of influence. But is there anything else you'd like to share? Uh, I would just like to share to remind uh, your your 
followers and your listeners to just be kind and live your life to the fullest because you never know what life throws at you. Thank you, Liana. Thank you. At this segment of my podcast, I have one of my current students, Kim. So Kim, I just want to welcome you. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Yes, of course. How are you doing? I'm doing absolutely amazing. Had a great day today and excited to actually be a part of your journey here in your podcast. Yes, thank you, Kim. So uh, Kim, something we always do at the beginning, I ask every guest and students is, and this is how I start my class too, as you know, is to give us one value that is important to you. So what would that be? Yes, I believe gratitude is a value of mine that, um, you know, it just seems to fit with everything that I do. So gratitude, having gratitude. Mm -hmm. Can you mention something that you feel grateful for today? Of course. I mean, so many things, but I'm absolutely grateful that I, you know, finished uh, my master's program mm -hmm. and, you know, just for all of the opportunities that came my way uh, throughout my journey here at Pepperdine. So I'm grateful for that and all the people I got to meet. Yes. Great. So uh, Kim, today's topic is based on the power of influence. So we are discussing how, how much you know, that can has power around us. So uh, my question to you is, how do you perceive influence in your life and the way you influencing others? Yes. Yeah, so influence, um, when I think of the word influence, I often think about um, nature versus nurture, right? And mm -hmm. with that being said, I think everyone has a uh, power to influence someone and everyone has been influenced in their life. Um, it could be by their caregivers, people that, you know, friends, family, but also by situations. I think people um, are influenced in that way to make decisions that they make um, and just like their overall behavior. So I like to say that in my life, I've been very much so influenced by my grandparents and my parents. And they're, you know, what they think is important in life, I've always, you know, taken into consideration mm -hmm. as I plan my own life and how I want that to look like. So I've been influenced by them quite a bit. Yeah. And I'm sure you see that in your clients' lives as well. When you talk about influence, how we are always influenced by one way or another. Of course, of course, definitely. You know, their thoughts, emotions, everything is being influenced by everything around them you know and that creates their behavior so that's something I've definitely seen uh, in my journey so far as a therapist right and for yourself Kim how do you see yourself influencing the world oh that's a huge question and um, as much as I'm starting off and my journey is being a therapist, I definitely want to be someone that, you know, can host um, like couples retreat and also some seminars for some youth. Um, and in that way, just kind of always um, looking back. Right. So I've had a lot of help and a lot of great influence in my life to get me where I am today. So I want to also provide those type of opportunities and insight uh, to help others in order to make, you know, better decisions or just being more educated or knowledgeable on certain topics that I think um, I could pull off or, or I'll be an expert in it on someday or also have like other of uh, my colleagues to be a part of as well. Yeah, so and it sounds you're very passionate about this topic. Is there a certain reason behind that? You know, like I said, I've been raised by very, very strong people. And they're, you know, they're uh, from the Caribbean. So with that being said, it's like they've always had to kind of fight their way to get where they are today. So um, with that being said, hard work and, you know, realizing that you do have to put your best foot forward at every time you do something. It's kind of like where I get that um where I get that, you know, instilled in me, where I want to do more for my community and I want to be able to like be positive and, and push forward. So that's where it comes from. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, Kim, something we always ask and encourage our listeners is to do an act of 
kindness. So if I want to ask you to suggest one act of kindness or service, what would that be? I think a very simple act of kindness that we can all take part in is when you're out and about, make sure you smile to someone because it doesn't take a lot out of us, but it could also help to create that bond. It can help to, in you know, enhance someone's day and just to let people know that we're all humans and we can connect in something simple as just a smile. Yes, and I can definitely tell you always had that smile when we were in the class. So I appreciate that. <laughs> and uh, my last question is, Kim, do you have any suggestions for students who maybe are listening to this or they're in college or high school or, you know, they're not, they haven't graduated yet? What would you say to them? that you could absolutely do it. Um, I I want to be a person that could share my own personal testimony that um, through my journey, I've also had a lot of people who've told me that things are very hard and you cannot do it and it takes, you know, so much. Uh, but I do want to just let people know, and especially students who are still in school trying to fight for that dream that they want, is that you are more than capable and it you do not have to have someone else's experience to be what you follow. You create your own in your own journey and just take that one step at a time. At the end of it, you'll be finished just like everyone else and you'll have your own story. So it doesn't have to look like someone else's. Yes, that's very true. And thank you for being here, Kim. Okay, thank you so much for having me. This was absolutely amazing. And I, I can't wait to be a part of more, um, more of the podcast that you may have. Of course, thanks. Thanks for tuning in. And I look forward to be with you in the next episode. And meanwhile, if you want to stay connected, you can reach me via email at contact at parsapaycar.com.